Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Christian Rood, a name I've actually weaned myself off saying because I said it for too long and then had to change to Casper Rood because Casper Rood is now one of the leading players on the ATP Tour. But his father was the previous most successful player from Norway, Christian Rood, and is Casper's father and coach. So, Christian, if someone had said to you 20 years ago, your record of being the top-ranked Norwegian would have been beaten by your son, who you are coaching, what would you have said? Probably wouldn't believe it. And then, of course, I, I would say I would be happy if he once beat me. So I'm kind of both happy and, and a bit surprised that he he was taking my footsteps and, and uh, becoming a professional player. And uh, my goal is for him to become as good as possible. So in that sense, I'm very happy that he has beaten all my records now. So uh, I'm very glad for, for his results, yes. They say that it's the family that needs to be the kind and comforting person after a match, especially after a defeat, whereas the coach has to be quite harsh. How do you resolve that balance? I think I'm more the calm guy, even though I'm also the coach. I think that uh, I can easily put myself in his position after he maybe does a bad match or or uh, or, or, or loses a tough a tough match. So. I've been there. I know. I know how tough it is, and I think uh, he also knows it. So, I think the the person that are most disappointed when he he loses is Casper, and I'm trying to be supportive, and we're trying to, of course, also analyze some of those losses that he kind of doesn't like or didn't expect, and and we just have to kind of move forward and and improve on those things. So I'm never really angry if he loses a match or disappointed. I'm just uh, trying to make a plan for how to improve the things that maybe he didn't do well in, in, in the match that he lost. Given that you're his coach, how important is the role of his mother in making sure that the family is not a total workspace? The mother is uh, also, uh, she used to play tennis herself, so she was uh, quite a decent player. So she knows also a little bit about tennis. And uh, of course, she's she's very proud and very happy. And she's also part of the team in, in many ways because she does all the bookings and hotels and flights and everything. So she's a big part of the team, uh, but she she's also the mother. So when Casper does well, uh, the mother... Uh, Gives uh, him a lot of, uh, not surprises, but whatever he wants, like in kind of uh, dinners and eating and stuff like that. So that's the big reward that <laughs> when he's playing well, the mother uh, is there for him to uh, give him uh, some good food, some go- good homemade food and, and uh, cookies and stuff like that. So she's, of course, uh, the loving mother that she's been since he was born. And, and she's also very excited about the, the, the progress and the, the things that he's doing. And where do Casper's two sisters fit in? Because you're a family of five. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, the way it is when you play tennis, you travel the whole year, so you you need support from the the father, the mother, and the sisters. And of course, they are very supportive. We have. Um, he has the one older sister. Her name is Caroline, and she she's studying at home. She used to play a little bit tennis, but she was more of a handball player, and uh, she's you know. Yeah, I'm doing school now and trying to get uh, an education. Uh, and then we have the younger sister. Her name is Charlotte, and she plays tennis. She's not the same level as Casper, but she's trying. And she's uh, she's been two years at the Rafa Nadal Academy, so she's trying to go in Casper's footsteps. And of course, looks up to Casper and wants to try and do the same. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with her in the in the future. So, has tennis been a family religion, or have you? 
had tensions caused by tennis? Are there moments when you all say, oh, my God, I wish we didn't have tennis so that we could lead a normal family life or what? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we've always uh, had tennis as a, as a fun sport. Of course, uh, when Casper decided to go pro, it's more serious. You have to kind of uh, sacrifice many things and then it becomes more of a job. But uh, we've always had the fun with the tennis and, and my wife's family are doesn't have a big tradition in tennis but they also play the sports the, the, the parents also so so I think that tennis has been in, in uh, our blood and, and we have enjoyed it since uh, all our kids were, were small and both sisters tried tennis and one of them liked it and one of them didn't so we kind of uh, enjoy the, the sport and we are trying to have fun also not only be only be about the business <laughs> Do you feel that you are a different coach to Kaspar because you're his dad than you would have been if an up-and-coming Norwegian player had just said, Christian, please, can you coach me? Well, I think it all depends because every player is different. And uh, and Casper uh, uh, is quite uh, easy to coach, I would say. I think that uh, he, he inside he has a big drive and, and that's... Uh, he shows that every day when he goes to practice, and he does many things right. And he he's very easy, he's very coachable and very easy to coach because he has a, a he has a plan and he kind of follows that plan. And uh, and if I would coach someone else, it's not easy to say what kind of uh, path they have made up for themselves. So some people are more difficult to coach than others. But I think I would probably be. Uh, this is my coaching style to be quite calm, but I, I, I also demand uh, that they work hard and then that they train enough and, and that they take every match and every practice serious. That is what I think is important uh, for the players to do. So I would, of course, tell a player I coach that I'm not happy with the, with the way they're doing if they didn't do that. So it's it's hard to say, but I... I'm more of the calm uh, type, uh, but uh, I still have a, a code that I think that is important for the, the, the players to, to follow if they uh, want to become really, really good players. Now, your best years were when you were about 23, 24, 25. Casper's 22 now. What were you like at 22 and how, how do you compare to what he is now? Well, when I was 22, I kind of... Uh, just made it to the top 100 I think that at the end of that year and uh, I was very competitive I had many coaches and they were all uh, doing a good job uh, in a sense but I never had that uh, top junior results that Casper had so I kind of uh, had to go a little bit on my own uh, the, the teams now are bigger and it's more difficult and, and I think that this Casper did well in a young age. He has always had a good coaching team and a fitness coach with him from a young age, which I wish I also had, even though it was not that normal uh, back in the day when I played. The, the teams were a little bit smaller. So he has been doing better than me from the day he was like 13, 14. So he has, um, his path has been maybe also easier, but he has had a better support team behind him since a young age. So... Well, uh, anyway, I was uh, 21, 22. I was not giving up, but I was disappointed that I didn't reach the top 100. And, and suddenly I made it. And then I had a good career, I, I believe, for five, six years. I was in the top 100 and I was kind of happy with that. But I think that uh, 
my mistake or what I should have kind of aimed for is to to believe in being maybe a top 10 or a top 20 player. I kind of was from a small country. No one ahead of me have had the, done a big, uh, big success in tennis. So maybe I felt like I didn't believe I was... Uh, going to be a top 20 or top 10 player when I was when I was playing that was maybe one thing I regret a little bit that um, I was maybe a little bit too happy becoming a top 50 player so the implication of that is that Kaspar does believe I think he dreams about uh, being number one and and, uh, winning a grand slam Uh, and I think it's important to to dream and and believe and um, there's a difference though isn't there I mean a lot of people dream about it but actually believing is is a different matter He's playing well at the moment and, and feel like he kind of belongs, especially maybe among the clay quarters in that uh, in that ranking. But uh, we are improving the hardcourt game and uh, we have many things to improve. So it's not easy. It's, it's a lot of good players there in the top 10. So uh, we had a good start of the year and we're really happy with the, the position he's in. So I think he's uh, optimistic about the future. Yeah, you mentioned clay there. I mean, do you see him as a potential Roland Garros champion of the future? Yes, I do. I think that uh, he has the game for it. He has uh, he has the weapons and he has a good clay court game. And uh, you know, Rafa and Novak and those guys they cannot play forever. So I think there's a lot of good players coming behind them. And uh, and I think also Casper is one of them, uh, especially on the clay that uh, has proven that he he can play good clay court tennis. And and uh, hopefully in the future he can win Roland Garros and, and still develop his game and, and uh, yeah, be one of the guys that are fighting for the for the trophy at Roland Garros. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago about the fact that Casper's support team is bigger than you had at uh, your peak. What position in the support team that Casper has do you think you most missed and that Casper is benefiting from? The fitness part a little bit and, and the injury prevention and all those things that he he's doing and he... He has a good uh, physique, I think, and he has been really working hard since he was 14, 15 years. And, and, you know, let's hope that he will stay injury-free and have a long career. But I was also a little bit, uh, I was struggling maybe with with injuries, you know, small things all the time. And and I wasn't maybe built for, uh, I don't know, to, to play for 10 or 15 years. So... But also the coaching, the, the the support and the the consistency of the team, I would say also, because um, I had many good, good coaches, I, I mentioned also, but they could, could help for some weeks here and there. And Casper has had like this, basically the same team for many years. And so he trusts in his team and the, the team knows him from a young age. And I think that's a big advantage that the, the people around him really cares about him and they... They have seen him develop from he was 14, 15 until until today. So I think that's a bit also a good advantage that he has. And I wish I had also when I was young. You talk a lot about the team, but apart from your voice, which other voices does Kaspar have in his ears? We have a coach from the Rafa Nadal Academy that helps us uh, when I cannot travel. So he's maybe 30% of the, the, the tournaments. And then we have a... A guy home in Norway called Eivind Serval is like a technical coach and doing analytics uh, with the opponents. And he helps us a lot from the from the uh, outside. And he has been filming Casper since he was eight, nine years old. So we have a lot of uh, video footage and we have seen how the 
uh, how he have developed his technique since he was young. So he's he's a big part of the team, even though we don't see him that much. And um, we have Marcel Lacruz, which is a fitness coach. And he's been with Casper since Casper uh, was 14, 15 years old. And uh, we also have a mental uh, coach that has helped Casper uh, since a small uh, 14, 15. So, uh, yeah, these are the key persons. And we have also, of course, the manager and the agents and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's many people in the end that uh, are part of Casper and are, you know, building him and trying to <laughs> make him as good as possible in this sport. Given that he spent some time at the Rafael Nadal Academy, has Rafa himself ever given Casper any advice? Yes, uh, he has. You know, they, they trained together sometimes. And, and uh, I actually remember one time when Rafa was just coming home from uh, Australian Open in 2019, I guess. He lost, uh, unfortunately, in the final. But he, the next day he came to Mallorca and he came to the court when Casper was training with Munar. And he... You know, he was probably tired. He didn't need to be there, but he was there for quite a while. And he was kind of uh, helping the coaches and trying to explain how Casper and, of course, James uh, Menar also uh, should play, you know, trying to come with some uh, good tips. So and I think that was uh, very interesting uh, or kind gesture of him to do. And, of course, that Casper, you know, get that kind of advice from from. Uh, a person like Rafa that has won so much is, uh, of course, helping his confidence and, and uh, yeah, believe, believe in his own game. And in terms of the advice that you give him, Christian, how much of it is based on your own career and how much is it just you as a thinking tennis player and tennis watcher? A little bit from my own career, uh, you know, I'm trying to do things as simple as possible, but I also try to learn from from all the other persons in our team, like Irvin that uh, is really, really good with the technique and things like this. And uh, I'm also trying to learn from Tony Nadal, which is on the court with us sometimes, and, and uh, all the other coaches that are at the Nadal Academy. So I'm very eager to see what other people are doing, because in Norway, we, you know, we didn't produce too many players. So it's very interesting to see what they do in other countries, and especially all the coaches that had, uh, like Tony, that had uh, great uh, success with, with Rafa. And, and also the other people in our team that are very competent and, uh, and knows a lot about uh, this sport. So trying to mix it up a little bit, you know, I have my own opinions, but I'm, I'm really trying to get some good advice from, uh, from the people around us. Given that Norway doesn't have a great tennis tradition, do you feel that Kaspar is able to do what he can because you paved the way for him? I'm not sure if uh, it has helped him. I, I, I hope so, maybe, that I was a little part of it. But uh, I think he's uh, a very determined uh, young uh, man and that uh, uh, very serious. And if he had done other sports, maybe he, he would have also success because he, he sets a goal to himself. And he, so far in his career, I think he's reached most of them. So... So I think that he's uh, kind of lucky that he had uh, me as a father that knew the game a little bit and knew what kind of things that are important to to, to get through that tough stage of futures and challengers and, and of course, uh, yeah, you know, analyzing losses and stuff like that. So I hope I did help him a little bit on the way. But uh, like I said, I think he's been a determined young man since a young age. And, and I think he would have su succeeded in, in other sports or in other things in life also. So what's the best piece of advice you've given him? Uh, I don't know for sure if there's one specific thing, but 
I think that uh, forget the losses and, and move on. I think, like you said before, like parents can go bananas if their daughter or son lose like uh, one bad match or something. But you know, when you have been there before, you know that it's some some days you don't play well. Some days maybe your mind was not on it. But trying to work through those tough periods and 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 try to be. Uh, serious and do good trainings every day because I think that's um, I've seen many really good coaches and some not so good coaches and I think that if you do uh, good training every day I think you have an advantage over people that you know do training but not train that well every day I think that maybe that is my strength that we try to every day we're when we're on the court we're, we're doing effective and good training so we get like a, hopefully a good result every day we, we step on the court and I think that that's one advice that I think that he he also uh, believes in and that he's doing well. And uh, yeah, can you actually say what you mean by a good training, or is that just totally dependent on the situation? Uh, you know, like effective trainings. I don't know. It depends on the situation, but trying to to have good intensity, trying to not talk too much, you know, in the changeover, and trying to do effective drills you know there's many things you can train on in tennis but i'm trying to train on the uh, the training on the most important things that you don't waste too much time on maybe things that are not necessary to train too much on so i'm learning to be competitive and and you know when you go off the training that you when you're finished with your day of training that you feel like you've worked hard and done done a good session uh, i think maybe that's my strength as a coach that i'm trying to do yeah, good tra- good sessions that are related to his game. Is there a failure you can think of, or maybe just a, a hard time that you and he went through, which you came through in a way that strengthened your relationship and that strengthened him as a player? Yes, I would think uh, it was like a small period when he was like 16, 17, where he was not on the wrong path, but he had like a couple of bad months and he... He was in the phase where he maybe the parents were not uh, the ones he wanted to listen to. So, so he not he was not rebellious, but he was, uh, you know, he was uh, yeah, a couple of months there where he was, uh, you know, other things were were more fun, and uh, we talked a lot about it. And I think he he woke up, so to say, <laughs> after a few months there, and and really uh, knew that uh, you know the team he had around him is is a, a good one and that yeah that he he was like maybe on a little bit wrong path so i think we we, we all uh, t- talked about it after it happened and and uh, basically it was just a few months where he was kind of a little bit rebellious and uh, and being just like a youth and that uh, he just needed maybe a little bit time out from the from the mother and father i think and do you find that reassuring I think I find it reassuring because I I, I know that he, he didn't make so good results and he was uh, uh, he, he kind of um, accepted that we saw that he was on the wrong path and he he was you know quick to come back and and continue the hard work he, he's been doing since he was like 13 14 years old so what would you say to other parents who end up coaching their children? Because, I mean, it can be a difficult relationship. Is there any advice you'd give for parents whose uh, children prove to be very good at something and they continue in the coaching role? Yes, I think uh, a little bit what I uh, talked about before, that that you have to kind of uh, take the losses and, and move on. And I think also 
one good thing about being coached by the parent because uh, the parents, they're no one that cares more about their son or daughter than the parents. So in, in that sense, the the parents will, will basically almost always do anything for their, their, their kids. So I think... Uh, a father-son or father-daughter or, or mother-daughter or son relationship is is a very good thing really because they they really want to to achieve something and they're there for their uh, kid 24 7 uh, compared to maybe a coach that is hired and you know has other uh, things on his mind so in a, in a sense i think being a coach and a, and a parent is, is a good thing and of course Sometimes it doesn't work out, and I think the parents have to be patient that uh, all the, the, the players or their, their children can go through difficult periods, and you need to kind of uh, believe in the plan you made and, and try to, to be patient and, and reach the goal in the end. It's very easy to be impatient, I think, from parents if they don't do good results. But uh, luckily, Casper has basically done good results most of his career. So it's very easy for me to say that <laughs> you just have to be patient. But I think uh, I think that's the plan. And if the parents don't have too much competence about tennis and training, I think, of course, they need to, to try and uh, listen to advice from, from other people uh, inside the business. And on that basis, I mean, there could well come a time during Casper's playing career where he says, Dad... I want to have a, an outside coach now. Are you prepared for that moment? Yes, I'm prepared for that moment. I, of course. I mean, uh, I have been a decent player myself, but there's many players that have been a lot better than me, and many coaches that had a lot better results than me. So, if if that's maybe what he feels one day, uh, to maybe yeah, if that is to reach his goal of being number one winning a Grand Slam and he feels like he needs that I'm of course open to that and uh, and I would not be uh, disappointed if, if that day comes you know I'm just you know trying to do a good job every day and as long as he's happy with with uh, our relationship and the way it's working out I'm happy and, and open for open to, uh, for getting help from from outside of course and just a word about parental pride. It's a difficult subject because uh, you don't want to take credit for your child's achievement. But do you get a sense of being proud of Casper when you watch him on a tennis court? Yes, of course. I'm very proud. And, you know, when he plays his best tennis, uh, I'm kind of uh, not shocked, but I'm like, of course, proud when he does some really, really good matches. And and uh, you know that's what we train for, and that's what uh, the goal is to to perform well. And and nothing makes me more proud when he he, he wins uh, big matches in big tournaments. So uh, so that's those days are really good, and we're all happy and uh, kind of always. Uh, but always after matches, the next match. So that's the tough part with the tennis. You cannot relax too much. Kind of always have to to go for the next one or the next match or the next tournament. So. It's a fun process, but uh, sometimes also a little bit tiring with, with uh, always having a new match ahead of you. And is there one little moment that you can think back on in your time coaching, Kaspar, when you think, I'll be looking back on that in 30 or 40 years' time as a, a little golden moment in my time coaching my son? Well, not maybe like one specific match, but I think that maybe one thing I, I think I did... I, I did quite well is that when when I was playing you could reach quite uh, far with just being solid and and I saw the game develop and I saw that uh, more and more players had a big weapon either it was the serve or the forehand 
And when Casper was 13, 14 years old, I, I saw that he had a big potential in, in his forehand. So we did a lot of training, trying to to get like a, the forehand to become a good uh, weapon in his in his uh, in his game. And uh, I, I mean, the results show that, of course, that he, he, we have succeeded because I think he has one of the better forehands out there on the tour, especially on the on the clay court. And uh, I think you need that in today's game to, to, to reach quite far. You need to have something special. And I think Casper's forehand is, uh, is up there uh, with, the, with the other guys with, with like a really good weapon uh, on the tour. Well, Christian, thank you very much for talking to us and all the very best, not just to you and Casper, but to the rest of the family too. Okay, thank you, Chris. <laughs>